This episode of Left of Field is thanks to Coastal Crunch. It's all about making healthy eats for a healthy planet. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello guys, it's Danny Kavanagh and today I am joined by a real superstar. That's right, MVP 20 Bryce Cotton of the Perth Wildcats. And Bryce is currently playing in the NBL um, in Perth. He is over from America and he is honestly the star of the competition. I love watching him and I also loved getting to know him today. Uh, he chats all things basketball, of course, plus his fashion labels, his values, and how he uh, stays so motivated. I really hope you enjoy this chat, and uh, let's go. Bryce, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. Uh, thanks for making the time to chat to me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. How are you going in Perth? The weather's been quite nice lately. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. Like, been a very different off season for me, considering I haven't gone back to the states this off season. But you know, I got to be thankful that I'm in a safe place in WA. So, just been trying to you know stay as safe as possible and working out and stuff. But yeah, things are things are going good though on this end. Well, I think that's the least we can do. You've given us so much over the last few years on the court and off that the least we can do is keep you and your family safe here in Perth. It's us giving you a little bit back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Nice little gift to you. But on that, I would like to say a big thank you for choosing to stay with the club for another season. We are very lucky to have such a spectacular player. Tell me about that decision. Was it a tough one? Because you did originally say that you were going to opt out. Yeah, um, it was a very tough decision. There was probably a whirlwind of thoughts going through my head at the time. And just considering my age and where I'm at in my career, I knew that, you know, this was going to be a pivotal choice for me and my family as well. And, you know, I think in the beginning, I was thinking more so in the immediate future of, you know, what's going on for this year at hand. And then once I had a little bit more time to, kind of weigh all my options on the table after opting out, I started to look big picture and look further years down the road, long-term wise, for stability with my family and things of that sort. I just felt like maybe it actually would be a better decision if I decided to stay. So it was it was difficult though, but uh, I definitely think I made the right decision. I think so too. I'm glad the Wildcats came to their senses and offered you some money that you very well deserve. How many options were laid out for you on the table? Were you close to inking elsewhere? I mean, yeah, I definitely had options, but I wasn't close to putting ink to paper at the time because a big part of my decision also was I didn't want to be rushed. And considering all the NBL players had to make a decision May 4th, and I just felt it was so rushed, especially not knowing when the season going to resume. So I planned on taking all my time in the world of weighing out all my options. Yeah, eventually I just decided, you know what, this is this is the right move. Once, Like I said, once I thought further than, than just this upcoming season. This upcoming season, how are the Wildcats looking? Obviously without Damian Martin, but it will be a strong team. I mean, preseason hasn't really started yet. I think it's too far away before games actually start but guys are working out and we're in the weight room and we get a little bit of court time as well so 
everybody's doing a good job of staying fit, but being smart as well and not overworking ourselves. So I, I think we're pretty lucky that we do get to at least do that and get some of the team chemistry going already for guys that are already here and out of quarantine. That's it. Well, I'm very excited. Can't wait to have an NBL season next year. Now let's take it back to the beginning. How did you get involved in basketball? Where did the passion start? You're not like many other big players now that are over in the end with father-son, like Curry. You kind of got into it in yourself? I mean, everybody in my family played sports growing up. And considering I had a family full of athletes, at least at the high school level, I figured I, I better take up a sport as well. And I tried everything as a kid, like baseball, basketball, football, as a like really young kid. But I, I want to say eventually it just kind of seemed like I kind of stopped growing and the rest of the kids kept growing. So I figured I better not play a sport that's too physical. And considering I was pretty fast and quick, I thought I'd give basketball a go. And yeah, I mean, I just, I fell in love with it, but I'd been playing it, I'd say probably pretty serious since maybe sixth grade, but I started playing in second grade. That was about a time when you developed epilepsy as a child? Yeah, I actually developed it fourth grade. So that was the reason I had to stop playing football altogether because they felt like head knocks could be triggers to basically causing more epilepsy problems and things of that sort. So my mom told me just to really try to just focus on basketball. And I think, yeah, I want to say it was sixth grade when they definitely told me like, never play football again that's when I really just decided all right well I'll leave baseball alone I'll leave everything else alone and I'll just really get basketball cracked what 20 almost 20 years later here here I am still playing the game so been such a blessing for it to work out very thankful now talk to us about college where did you go and what was your experience like so I went to Providence College it's in Rhode Island and it was in it's in a conference called the Big East so that was a very historic college conference. And I mean, so many great names have come out of that conference, but I had a blast out there and I struggled to get recruited though, coming out of high school. I didn't have any scholarship offers. I had actually graduated high school at the time with no offers and a week or so before school started in Providence, one of their best players on the team had gotten kicked off the squad for, I guess, some off the court issues. And it led to them having a scholarship available. And somehow, some way, I guess they saw me on some website and they liked what they saw. One thing led to another and they offered me a scholarship in that short time. But if they didn't do that, I would have still been in Tucson to this day and never even would have played college ball if it wasn't for them. You obviously were quite outstanding on the court during you know, your time at Providence. Tell us about the insane numbers that you were getting, especially in your senior year. Yeah, my last two years specifically, I did very well. My junior year, I led the Big East in scoring. And my senior year, which was my best year, I came second in scoring in the Big East, but I led it, led the conference in assists. And we won the Big East championship. Also helped lead our team to go into the NCAA tournament for the first time in over a decade. So my school made a lot of history my senior year. And it was just such a fun ride to be a part of that. And my final year of college with the one school who decided to give me a chance. And even, like I said, when I got to Providence, I didn't play 
hardly at all my freshman year. So nobody really knew much of me or expected me to become what I became at Providence. It was quite a roller coaster ride, but couldn't have asked for a better story. When you're out there playing in your senior year, that's when all the big scouts are coming to look at you ahead of the draft. You weren't really considered favorably with these scouts. Can you talk to us about how difficult that was? Because even though with these amazing 22-point averages and amazing stats, you were kind of being overlooked. How did that feel? It didn't feel like anything new. Every level I've been to, from a basketball standpoint, I've been doubted always and overlooked. It was frustrating, but at the same token, like, it was nothing new. Like, I, as far as I had experienced, any time I got ready to go to the next level in basketball, I was always doubted, but it motivated me. And, you know, I just found ways to just keep working hard and, you know, wanting to prove them, prove those people wrong. And even though I didn't get drafted, I ended up playing in the NBA, though, my my rookie year, which was my biggest dream come true. But San Antonio had actually asked my agent in the second round, like, would I agree to them drafting me if they decided to send me overseas for my first year? And I turned it down because I didn't want to basically quit on me having a chance to make it in the NBA my uh, first year out of school. And as a kid whose you know, lifelong dream was to hear his name called and, and be drafted, to actually turn that down was a bittersweet because, you know, I felt it would have been great to hear my name called, but then at the same token, it would have been sad to know I wouldn't have been playing in the NBA that year because they would have sent me overseas. So took a gamble on myself and, you know, trusted my gut. And later on that year, I ended up signing with the Utah Jazz. And that's my biggest, I would say my biggest basketball accomplishment that I'll always hold dear to me, especially because it was a gamble choosing to not be drafted um, under those circumstances. Well, that's it. I mean, when there's reports out there that were pretty crazy, some of them saying you were too small, you weren't an athletic guard, they obviously didn't do their homework. Were you Mm -hmm. really wanted to prove them wrong? Do you think choosing the more stable entry into the NBA was the right choice? I think what I chose to do was definitely the right choice because I still ended up playing in the NBA that year. And let's say they send me overseas that year, I may never get the chance to play in the NBA. So Who knows how that would have panned out, you know, had I had taken that proposition. So I have no regrets on how we handled that situation. I I still feel to this day it worked out exactly how it was supposed to. After that, you went over to Turkey. Talk to us about the another challenging time that you experienced over there. (laughs) Yeah, Turkey, that was my first European experience. Played EuroLeague over there. And uh, it was just an all-around culture shock for me from a basketball standpoint, from a living standpoint, the language barrier. And it was just very, very difficult for me to adjust. And in Europe, it's really big where, you know, you practice two times a day for about two hours, very, very hard. And, you know, you can go two, two and a half weeks minimum without a day off. And it just takes such a, a huge toll on your body especially because you're out there for nine or 10 months. I wasn't being used, I guess, in the way I felt I should have been used as a player over there. So it made it a little bit more frustrating 
at that time there was like terrorism acts going on as well in Turkey. And it started off very far away from the city that I was in. I was in Istanbul. But it just seemed like every two to three weeks, something would happen that's in a place closer to my, uh, my city. Eventually, around December, I believe it was, bomb had actually went off, followed by like gunfire and things of that sort, about 20 minutes or 25 minutes from the apartment I stayed in. And, you know, when you're already thousands of miles away from home, the last thing you want to be worried about is safety. And considering I already wasn't enjoying it out there, I just, I didn't want to be over there anymore. And so my agent had presented me with two, two other offers that I can do to finish the season. And he told me I can either go to a team in Russia and that wasn't really appealing to me because anything that involved Europe, I just wanted away from it at that point in time because it was just a bad first experience for me. And then he told me, or I can play with Perth, obviously. And he said that I would probably be there for about six weeks because they weren't doing too well. And he said they probably won't make the playoffs. So you'll be there for about six weeks. And then he said you can just enjoy an early off season and then get your mind back right for basically next year. And I just thought it was very appealing. And I said, you know, why not? Like, I'll, I'll definitely take that, especially since it's not Europe. What I thought was going to be basically just a pit stop of me being somewhere for six weeks. We end up not only making the playoffs, we win the championship. It just brought my love back for the game. Like, I fell in love with basketball all over again. And I love the city. And considering I was in a, you know, foreign country, but it's an English-speaking country, I didn't really feel like I was out of place. And it just, I don't know, everything about Australia just brought so much joy to me. And ever since then, like, I really couldn't get enough of it. And I always wanted to keep coming back. So, you know, here we are three years later, four years later, however long it's been, time's flying. During those challenging times, how did you push through? And, you know, when you're not getting consistent game time, when you're not loving where you're living, what kept your fuel burning for you? I think uh, it has a lot to just do with how I was raised, where I was raised, and just my competitive nature. I've never been a quitter, and I've always been taught that, you know, no matter what obstacles you face in life or how difficult things may seem, whatever they are, you don't complain, you don't give in. You you keep fighting until things change because nothing lasts forever. You know, even though I didn't really see any break coming for me when I was in Europe, it wasn't enjoyable and I felt like, okay, I got another four or five months of trying to find a way to get through this, but an opportunity presented itself And, you know, it allowed me to go to Australia, but it's because I kept trying to fight through it at first. And let's say I wanted to give in maybe two, two months prior to that, there may not have been a position open to where I could even come to Perth because maybe I didn't stick it out as long as I needed to in Turkey. It all worked out, but it just comes back to my core belief of never giving in and never complaining, no matter how difficult things are, because nothing Nothing stays the same forever, good or bad. 
Now it's without further ado that our friends at Coastal Crunch would like to introduce to you their newest product line, the Skinny Dippin' Naked Protein Bars. Now, as always, these guys are full of WA-grown lupin and are packed with protein and fiber. They're perfect on-the-go snacks that you can get in two flavors, cacao and an almond or cranberry and honey. Now, I love these bars because with 75 grams of protein, they're a great source of dietary fiber as well as great for your gut. And nothing says spring more than a puffy, crunchy, chewy granola bar. So head online and try out these new products. That's right. Go to their website, Coastal Crunch. Use the code LEFTAFIELD and you will receive 10% off. Get crunching because they are an absolute cracker. So obviously now that you've won three championships, two MVPs definitely robbed in 2019, if I have to say so. (laughs) (laughs) You've been overlooked your whole career and that was, you know, credits in the fuel tank that kept you going. What's the goal now when you're not playing with that chip on the shoulder? What is your motivation now that you're recognized as being the, the best player in the league? What keeps you going? Well, one, I got to correct you and tell you that chip on my shoulders never left. It's it's always there. I think for me, when I came out here to Australia, after my first year when we won the championship, that's when I had gained a lot of respect from people throughout the league. And for the first time in my life, yeah, people were talking about me, at least in this league, as if, you know, I am a very well-respected player. They regarded me as one of the best players in the league and that's the first time in my life where I felt like I was actually expected to do good things versus if I had success on the court it always caught people by surprise they would never think I would do as good as I did but now it just seemed okay now I'm in the NBL everybody's expecting me to do well so I took it as a challenge of I've never experienced this before but it's a challenge and now even though I don't like I guess, try to play for other people's approval. I just took the challenge of assuming now I have a target on my back and everybody's expecting so much of me. So it just became a new challenge. And I think some of Perth fans, anyway, they enjoyed the back and forth that I would have with Corey. And that definitely played a part in keeping the chip alive because I know how hard I work and I know how much I fought to get to where I'm at. So anytime when people say things about me on the basketball court that rub me the wrong way, it just keeps that chip there so that I can never become complacent. And I always want to remember how often I've been doubted. No matter how good things get, I always want to keep reminding myself you can get better. No matter the good things or bad things people say about you, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, you mentioned Corey. You and him do have a bit of back and forth. Do you consume a lot of NBL media here in Australia? I have heard you reference them in post-game interviews saying that you've heard a comment that Corey or another journalist has made about you. And do you take that into your game? I love to watch all the NBL games. Like if I'm not practicing or I don't have a game myself, I watch every single game every year. And a lot of the times, that's when I'll hear something because the commentators may make comments about a game that happened the day before or whatever. And a lot of times, those games are ours. And I may hear a comment that's said about me or or a team that, you know, maybe rubs me the wrong way. And of course, 
I never bring light to it, but it's it's something that I don't forget, and I just I use it for motivation. But it usually doesn't take much for me to basically use something as a spark plug for me to be motivated. But I don't go out of my way to check blogs or uh, I forget that show they have overtime. Like I won't really go out of my way to watch stuff like that. But if I happen to hear something while I'm watching a game. I won't forget it. In the fire and let it use it the next game. I love that. Now, what do you put your success down to? Because one aspect of your game, if I could comment on what I think is really strong is the endurance. You know, when you're playing out there on the court, your first jump is as high as your last every single game. Is that something that's important to you? Or what do you think has been your reason for being so successful? I think my work ethic, my work ethic and my mentality, it's never changed. And I've been consistent and pride myself in the off season. I work ridiculously hard in the off season. During the season, I tone it down and I just try to maintain because it takes so much energy, you know, to, to get through these games, especially with the minutes that the starters play. I try to find a way to maintain whatever I build in the off season. Now, what team and what player are the most challenging and enjoyable for you to come up against? I don't I don't have a player or team that I enjoy playing against or, or watching the most. Um, I treat everybody the same and I think I think that's something that I've always prided myself in because I feel if you start to treat certain games with a little bit more importance than others, then I feel like that will take away from your energy and one thing I want to be as a player as long as I can be is consistent. I want to be consistent with the energy and effort I give every game, whether we're playing the best team in the league, the worst team in the league, or a team that's middle of the pack. I want to treat everybody the same. So um, I try to make sure my approach to it is never any different. All right, then. So if you could choose, if there was no salary cap and the Wildcats needed another import, who would you choose to play with? Who would I choose to play with? Yeah. I mean, man, obviously won two championships with Tariko being here, so I, I'd definitely say him for sure. Well, did you want a bit of that last dance? Have you seen that documentary, a bit of last dance, three-peat with Tariko White? <laughs> I've, I've seen that. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't, get, I don't get carried away and talk about the championship stuff, but, I mean, just considering... The, not only the success we've had with him, but just knowing, you know, how much chemistry I have with him on the court as well. We complement each other's games. So, yeah, that would that'd be a no-brainer if there was no salary cap. <laughs> and so how does the NBL compare with college and, you know, the NBA? How do you see the league having played in all of them? I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to compare. They're all different, but they're all great in different ways, I think. Out here in Australia, especially within these last two years uh, specifically, the league has really grown into something that basically people really have to respect as one of the best leagues in the world because the you know the quality of Americans that we have that come out here and play in this league every year continues to get better. The Australians themselves are you know they're hell of a players as well, so just the competition. And I think sometimes people may get caught up in the fact that there's only eight or nine teams, but real basketball players and real athletes understand if there's only nine or 
eight teams in a league, but they are all stacked with really, really talented players, you understand how difficult it is to, you know, be the last team standing in a league like that because you play these players four times a year, not including the playoffs. So you're familiar with all their plays. You probably know their plays just as good as they do. When playoffs come, it just comes down to who wants it more because X's and O's go out the window. So I think it makes it more difficult and challenging, which is something that's very different from the NBA who has 30 teams, college as well. Like there's a lot more college teams. So Australia is very unique, but I would say it's still very, very competitive and its uniqueness is almost what makes you have to respect it even more. And on that then, with the Illawarra Hawks gone and that, do you have any concerns for the competition moving forward or do you see a good basketball future for Australia? I feel like if it continues to tread on the track it's been doing, I think Australian basketball is going to be A-OK. But I'm only concerned about how the Wildcats are going to pan out uh, (laughs) against their own competition. How are they going to go? I guess we'll find out whenever that season starts. It's a fun thing, though. Every time... You start a new season, you forget about what happened the season before, and every team is playing to be the last team standing. And if that's not what you're playing for, you know, I have no idea why you'd even step on the court. What advice then would you give to a young player that's looking to start a future in basketball? My biggest advice would be figure out what you want out of the game and figure out what you need to do to get there. And once you realize whatever that is, never Never cheat yourself out of that path. You have to be dedicated, work day and night. You just have to trust that even though there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows, you have to keep fighting no matter how tough things get. And even when things go really, really well, not to get a big hit because nothing lasts forever. And that's why you have to keep working hard. Always find ways to challenge yourself. I've got a quick question for you on your actual play. It seems like you don't line up at the seams at the free throw line. Have you noticed that? Like my hand on the yeah. seams of the ball? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually do. It's funny because sometimes when I when I watch my games on replay, I'll notice how it, it looks very weird, but it's just the way I position the ball. But yeah, I definitely wrap my hands uh, around the seams for sure. It's just a very... Very awkward way, I guess, right before I release it, though. Oh, I've noticed that a few times in the camera, and I'm like, interesting. I mean, I was wondering if that was actually what's going on, but I'm glad glad you're sticking by the books. And uh, talk to us about something that you've been doing off the court, which is your fashion label, C11. Yeah, decided to um, sell some online shirts. As you said, you know, the brand is C11. And I think the biggest thing that I wanted to do was to put something out there that really represented my core values and something that basically resonated with me and that's helped me stay the course throughout my life for basketball. And so one of the shirts I came out with was uh, titled Faith in a Dream. That sums up my whole life story. You know, at the time when I found out basically the only sport I would be able to play for health reasons is basketball. And that's what I wanted to do for a living. That was my dream. And I believed with all my heart, somehow, some way, it was going to happen. And nobody could convince me otherwise. And so I had faith in a dream from the start. And, you know, here I am today with the story still continuing. 
And the thing that I like about it is even though that slogan is very personal to me, that can apply to anybody for anything that they want to do. If there's something that means something to them or a job or whatever it is that they want to pursue, that whole faith in a dream thing can apply to anybody. I just thought it would be creative and cool to share something that was personal to me, but yet could be relatable to others for whatever it is that they're passionate about in life. I love that. Everyone should get out there and get themselves a t-shirt or a jumper. There's some really cool apparel. Give us the latest update now then on your citizenship. Are you going to become <laughs> an Australian? Are you dreaming about becoming a boomer? Yeah, I wish I could tell you an update. I honestly just, you know, keep hearing, you know, we're just playing the waiting game and seeing what happens. But I think, especially like with COVID and all that, there's way more important matters at hand right now. So I could imagine that's slowed things up. So it's understandable. And, you know, I don't think about it every day because if I do, I go crazy. So it'll happen whenever it happens. But that's pretty much all the updates I have. And now you and your young family are settling into Perth. You've got another three-year contract. What sport are you going to let them play? Are they going to be picking up a footy? Or are you going to keep them into basketball? <laughs> not sure. I'm not cricket, sure. Cricket, maybe? Um, Have you tried cricket, AFL? Never tried cricket, but I did get into AFL during quarantine. I started watching the games when there was no sports elsewhere. So Who's your team? I, who have you picked? I mean, on air, of course, I'm going to say the West Coast Eagles, but I actually like the free. I like the Dockers as well. Still don't have all the rules quite figured out, but I, I know enough now to know what's going on after watching for about two, three months. Good luck with your potential AFL career. Good luck <laughs> with the Wildcats and basketball. When do you go back to training? I mean, well, we train a little bit now, like in the mornings. Um, but it's not like regular team practices, more so individuals. But I think once we get closer to figuring out if the season's actually going to start in January, that then we'll probably get back to like the real practices and all that. Great. Well, let's go Wildcats. Let's go. And thank you so much for chatting to me today. <laughs> no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Wow, what a star. I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Found Geld a little bit too hard, but real some real good insights into there. He's such a down-to-earth guy, and I can't wait for the NBL season to start again next year. Um, please go back and listen to some of the other episodes. Give me some feedback on them. Maybe you are in the mood for a bit of West Coast Eagles, Hamish Brayshaw, or Michael Frederick from the Fremantle Dockers after that. But uh, either way, uh, please like, subscribe, follow me on all the channels just to keep up to date. But I will be back again next week with another episode. So stay tuned and goodbye.